Good morning. I'm Clara Moranville, one of the pastors here, and um, I think some of you have been working very diligently on your wor- your uh, memory verse. Last week, somebody got ten dollars for being the first to give the the memory verse. So I notice a lot of you are sitting closer to the front. That's very good. So the first one that could come up here and tell me the memory verse by heart is going to get something very, very nice. Come on. You better run. Well, they can sit in the front row too, okay? Okay, you guys be prepared. Here she goes. Oh, wait, wait. Put it on. See she does it right. Okay. Mark 12:30. Um, it's love the Lord your God with... What's the matter? Okay. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Amen. Okay. Wow. I feel kind of cheesy about this because you're already going to get what I'm going to give. So I'm going to get somebody else to come up here. I'm going to tell you what the prize is. Okay, Esther. Well, no. Esther. Okay, that's good. Good job. This is great. No, this is great. Actually, it's actually great. Go ahead. Uh, Mark 12:30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. Yes, that was the right order. That was great. There you go. Excellent. Okay, any, I'm going to do one more. One more. You should know by now, yeah. Come on, don't be shy. You're going to love this gift. I'm telling you, you're going to be sad you did not run up here. Come on. All right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yeah, good job. Awesome. What? Wow. Did the other one do the reference? They did. Well, you're still going to get something, Joyce. You're going to be happy with what I'm going to get you. Okay, I'm going to do one more because I've got to get it right here. Last person. Run. I'm telling you, you're going to be. There he goes. A man of God memorizing verses. Here you go. Mark 12:30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. All right, good job. Now, let me tell you what you're going to get. I am going to Panama on Monday. I'm returning on the 30th. And while I'm there, I'm going to buy you a very special gift from Panama. Okay? Okay? And it's not necessarily, yeah, I'll do that. You don't have to give me money. I'll do that for you. Okay? You are going to like what I'm going to get you. Okay? So, you know, Esther and Priscilla, you were going to get one anyway. But I'll just make it better, okay? All right. All righty. See, so now um, there is a memory verse for next week. Uh, is it in the po- program? It is. Is it in the program? Let's see. Let's get your little papers out. I'll make sure it's there. That's it. Okay. So you have a whole week to memorize it. Sit close to the front so you can beat the Moranville girls <laughs> and the ones who got married. Okay. Thea, are you here? Good. Hold on to that seat. Okay. Okay. Mike Rocco reported a true story in the Chicago Tribute. And this guy named Bill Mallory uh, was a person who was looking for the purpose of life. So he went to, to India to actually discover what the purpose of life was. And while he was there, he didn't figure it out. So he came back to the States. And at that time, the Chevron gas station had a sign that says, As you travel... Ask us. So Mallory did that. He stopped at the gas station, got off the gas station, and asked the service person, what is the purpose of life? So I'm not making up this at all. This is really true, and these are some of the answers that he got. The first one was, sorry, I'm new here. (laughs) The second was, I don't remember anything in the manual about that. Another person says, I'm not much for church myself, sir. Now, most people just looked at him with a blank stare thinking, I I didn't say anything. They didn't know what to say. So one day, Mallory actually got a phone call from the Chevron um, Customer Relations. 
with a letter that says, we understand you've been asking our dealers questions and getting unsatisfactory answers. So we suggest that you write a letter with your question and put inside, enclose an um, envelope with a stamp and your address, and we will get back with you. So that's what Bill Mallory did. He wrote that letter, What is the Purpose of Life? Now, a couple weeks later, he did get a reply, and the envelope was returned. Inside was an application for a credit card. (laughs) So there you go. Now, are you guys ready back there? Okay. I want to share a dialogue of a couple of popular entertainers asking the very similar question, which is, what is the purpose of life? But their question was, why are we here? Let's see how they do I don't know. I'm just standing here, and well, we just thought um, we just thought we'd say, I don't know. I don't know. If we're gonna say hi or how you doing? I'm not sure what the purpose of this card is. I don't either. Maybe people could just send it, and then. Uh, but it's free. Yeah. We were sitting here for a reason. <laughs> yeah. They. Uh, this person sent us here to, to. I don't know to cheer you up or say something. Say something. Yeah. Or extend our sympathies. Or maybe you could just write him back and ask him like why why we were sent here to you. It's kind of sad to be exist for no reason. Yeah. We don't have any purpose. Yeah. So uh, why don't you, you know, whoever sent you the Z card with us, you know, write right. them, respond yeah. back and... Yeah, why did you send this to me? Don't be angry. Just be inquisitive. <laughs> React in a responsible and safe manner. Because we don't know if, you're, if we're here to make you happy or if you had a problem or we're supposed to soothe you. Yeah. Or maybe you might be in love, but we don't know, so, you know. Yeah. If you end up happy... Then we'll get the credit. Yeah. If you're angry, though, we don't want to hear about it. But we don't, we don't want to make fun of you if you're having, like, a really bad day or something terrible happened. That would be sort of like, we don't want to mock That'd you. That'd be mean. That would be mean. Like, neener, neener, neener. Yeah. I'm having a better day <laughs> than you, ooh. And you could be having a birthday, but we don't know. Yeah, happy birthday, just in case. Uh, yeah. Let's throw that in there. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, hi. All right. Merry Christmas. Hope you get better. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about the loss of your parakeet. Yeah, and uh, that, that, you're going to do great at that job if you got it. Yeah. And I'm glad you sent me your address because you moved. Yeah. Whatever. Happy Groundhog Day. <laughs> Let's just throw it all in there. Big wheelbarrow full of sentiments. And that person you love, if that's the person that we, we the person is gushy, gushy, cute too. Yeah. Think of this as an electronic sentiment mixer. Yes. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. We got to go now. Do we? Yeah. Why? Where are we going? Well, I don't know, but <laughs> well, next time we'll come back with a purpose. Yeah. And a dolphin. <laughs> a porpoise and a dolphin. Okay, we got to go. See you. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Great. Uh, see, I have people that do research for me, <laughs> and this one was sent to me by Mercy. I just oh, this is perfect. Oh, it's great. Okay, um, Thea, you're on, girl. Come on up. Okay, so now some of you are going to be starting to experience some very unusual things during this 40-day fast and prayer because we're praying, and we're making ourselves available to situations, and sometimes we just run into situations not even knowing that it's going to happen, and I asked Thea to share with us. Come on up. Uh, something that happened to her this week that I think you guys will enjoy. Thank you, Clara. All right, I get nervous speaking. Not singing, but speaking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, long story short, um, I started this new job when I moved out here, and I've been there for like two and a half months, and wasn't really getting along very well with the young ladies. I was two younger ladies that I work with, and... Um, just were having some tensions at work, and uh, one day, one of, one of them came in, and this lady was really, really sick. She had had, like, some kind of crazy reaction. She had migraines and had mixed some medications, but she didn't know what was wrong with her, so she was about 30 minutes late, and I was waiting outside because she had the only key to get in the office, so I remember I was just really irritated, and I was not being very godly that morning. Um, <laughs> I was like, why is she always late? And I'm waiting out, you know. By the time she got there, I was just not in a good frame of mind. But um, I, I was nice, and we went in, and she, and then I actually saw there was something really, really wrong with her. Um, and she's, you know, from what I gather, just working and everything, they, um, her family was Catholic, or, you know, she grew up Catholic, but they weren't, you know, she wasn't practicing um, Christianity. So I had talked about God some at work, and I had just, 
you know, when I had opportunities, I, I had talked about my faith and had shared it. So that particular day, she was just really, really sick. And about an hour passed, and I was getting really concerned because she was starting to shake all over. And um, she was trying to get our coworker to come in so she could leave because I'm a, out in the field. I don't stay there in the office. Um, and I was just telling her, just go, you know, don't worry about it, just go. But she wasn't. And, and then all of a sudden, like, she bent over and she had this just like pounding, pounding headache. And she started to tremble all over like her whole body. And I got really afraid. I mean, something in my spirit, um, I was like, this girl's in danger. And, um, you know, we're like five minutes from the medical center. And I was telling her, I'm like, she was waiting for her sister to come pick her up. I said, I'll just drive you, you know, and she's like, no. And she wasn't leaving. And she got in the chair. And I had been in a healing ministry when I was in California. And we used to lay hands on people. So I, I knew she wasn't a believer, but I just, uh, at that moment, I got really afraid. And I said, do you mind if I just lay hands on you and pray? And she was open to it. She said, okay. So she's in the chair, and something in my spirit is like, I need to call 911. She's about to die. Or I mean, I don't know what was going on, but there was something really dangerous. So I laid hands on her, and the pain was, on this side, she was just getting like just a horrible, horrible headache. And I asked her where it was, and I put my hands on her, and I was praying in the spirit. And um, anyway, the pain just lifted. And so she's just like, wow, that's just really weird. <laughs> I was like, okay. So anyway, needless to say, long story short, she drove herself to the um, hospital. Just like five minutes away, she was well enough to go. turned out she had had a really um, serious reaction, like she had mixed some medications and um, she was in danger, so she was okay. She was in the hospital the rest of that day. Well, she had been getting migraines, and the doctor had told her that um, that they would she would have them the rest of her life, and she had to be on this really horrible medicine, which was making her um, weird. I don't know. The, she was having a bad reaction to the medication. So I didn't know this, but after that day, she had instead of taking the medicine, she had just started praying. Every time the headaches would come on, she would just pray. And they stopped. So, okay, so fast forward, like, and I have, that's just so funny as I was thinking, like, I haven't been a very good witness. I've been at work, and I haven't always been in the best mood. I've kind of been to myself. I, I was thinking not very nice things about them sometimes, <laughs> to confess. And um, something shifted, and we had a talk, and um, she told me that since I had been working there, that she had been praying more. And she started to ask me how she could become a Christian and what she could do. So I was telling her about the sinner's prayer. And at that moment, my coworker came in. So I haven't led her to Christ yet, but I have invited her to church. So we'll see. And I gave her the purpose-driven life. So we'll see. I gave it to her the next day. So we'll see. Yeah, that's fun. Okay, you might not find your purpose in life at a gas station or through an e-card, but maybe you're going to bump into somebody who uh, is figuring it out, what the purpose in life is, and can share. Thank you, Thea, for sharing that. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for how you show up in the midst and in spite of us. <laughs> we can be uh, in a really cranky mood, and we're on. <laughs> and we can think, Father, we've blown our witness, and you say, no, it's about me. It's not about you. So, Lord, I thank you for Thea. I thank you for each one of us, Lord, that are, you use us in spite of us. You use us whether we've blown our witness or not, Lord. And, Father, I just pray for uh, our antennas to be really up in, the last, uh, in these weeks to come, Lord. As we're going through this fast, Lord, and your anointing is upon us, Lord, to set free people, to bring them comfort, to love them, Father, that we would look for those opportunities. And, Father, when they seem a little surprising and not the way we thought it was going to be lord that we would have enough to know that you're on and it's about you now lord i pray for um the teaching anointing to be about here lord for us to really have an open heart and open mind to the truth from your word that we would be helped father in jesus name amen okay well last week we talked about that the purpose of something of a gadget or some kind of uh, creation it would be best figured out when we go to the person who created it. Maybe if we read the instruction manual, that might be helpful. And God made us 
And so if we want to know what we're about, it's best to go to the Creator and look at His instruction manual. And like we've mentioned, we're on this 40-day fast and prayer, and we've been praying, and we're on the third week now of our series. And if you've missed any of the sermons, I think in your uh, program, your program has a lot of information there today, so don't lose it, um, is how you can connect online to our uh, sermons. So you can get to listen to some that you might have missed. And we've been reading together The Purpose Driven Life, and we purchased some more because we ran out. Last two Sundays kept running out, so there's more back there. Even if we're on the third week, pick one up. Uh, we want you for our guests, definitely pick them up. And if you have a friend like Thea does that that person's ready to read a book like that, then please um, take one for them. Now, today we're going to start talking about um, our purpose in life. We're going to talk about the very first purpose in our lives. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 4, verse 12. Revelation chapter 4, verse 12. And uh, let's read it together. You, meaning God, created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Now, if you have your Bible, if you could circle whatever words look close to for your pleasure, because it may be different depending on your version that you have. Circle that word, those words. The, the Bible says that God has created us in order to enjoy us. Now, how many of you are parents or have been parents? Raise your hands. Okay. Do you guys ever have experience enjoying your kids? Raise your hands if you have. Okay. Some still didn't, so that's scary. No. <laughs> it's probably the age they're going through. Uh, yeah, about two and a half, three. Yeah, it's a little hard to enjoy them, but sometimes... Yeah, oh, sometimes teenagers, yeah. Now, when I watch my girls dance or sing or laugh, I just love it. I just think this is just so much fun. Now, I have grandkids, and when I get my grandkids and they spend the night like they did last night, I love it when they fall asleep in my arms and I get to watch them. Um, this morning one woke up, I just couldn't hold it anymore. I had to get up and I knew the squeaky door was going to wake up the grandkid and it did. But you know what? It gave me a half hour of just holding him and holding him. It was very cool. So, um, anyway, it's the same with God. God loves to watch you. Every detail about your life, he loves. It brings him pleasure. When you were born, he was there in that room, smiling. And just so excited because he wanted you to live. Now, last week we talked about how you were created to be loved by God. And this week we're going to talk about the flip side. Okay, God's loved us. Now we get to flip that and love him back. And we can bring him enjoyment by loving him. Now, one day a man came to Jesus and he said to him, Lord, what is the most important commandment in the entire Bible? You know, I've been told I shouldn't ask superlative questions like, what's your favorite ice cream? People get stuck. So I just say, well, what ice cream do you like? But this guy didn't know that rule. So he said, what's the most important? And Jesus says, okay, the most important. Hmm. Well, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this, because this is the summary of the whole Bible. And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Now, if you circle those two words, first and greatest. And God says, if you don't get anything else, here's what you're supposed to do with your life. Because I made you to love you. And I made you to love me and know me back. Now, there is a word that we have that often is misunderstood, but it basically encompasses this word, this whole phrase. And it's the word worship. Now, worship is knowing and loving God. Now, back in about the 1990s, there was um, a worship leader named Matt Redman, who is a very popular um, and contemporary uh, songwriter. And some of you probably have heard his music. In fact, you did this morning. And during that period in the 1990s, his church was going, that he belonged to was going through a very dry and apathetic time in their life. The church is called Sur uh, Soul Survivor and is in England. Now, this church... Uh, was identified as one of the main contributors, besides the Vineyard Movement, of bringing revival into England. And this church had gotten so used to the amazing musicianship. Every single experience, every single service was like going to a concert. 
that they pretty much had gotten pretty apathetic and ho-hum about it. And so here God was coming in these sessions and was like, hmm, you know, get a little critical. The bass was a little loud, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, I've heard her sing before like that. You know, just those kinds of stuff, just really kind of apathetic and not really getting into it. And so the pastor realized there was something wrong. And, quote, this is what Matt Remen said about the time. There was a dynamic missing. So the pastor did a pretty brave thing. He decided to get rid of the sound system and get rid of the band for a season. His point was that we have lost our way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. The pastor wanted to remind his church to be producers in worship, not just consumers. So the pastor asked this question, quote, When you come through the doors on Sunday, what are you bringing as your offering to God? And Matt said that basically that question initially was very embarrassing, and the congregation was silent. They were in shock. But eventually somebody began to sing a song, Someone gave a prayer, and they encountered God in a very fresh and real way. And this last quote, before long, this is from Matt Redman, we reintroduced the musicians and the sound system, sigh of relief, and as we gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus, and he commands a response in the depth of our soul, no matter what the circumstances or what the setting, the song that came from that time was called the Heart of Worship, which simply describes what occurred to their church at that time. Now, one of the distinctives of the Vineyard Movement is that we're known for awesome worship. Often people will come here and say, I came because of the reputation the Vineyard has for really good music. Now, in the context of really good worship, in the context of that person walking in and saying that, what do you think worship means to them? Raise your hand. Okay, first off. Music, okay. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Singing. Yes. Singing the songs that they like. That's good. Their style. Listening. Okay, now, um, you know, I think, clearly you guys hit it. I think they were thinking about the electric guitar, the drummer, the vocalist, entertainment. Um, But just let's imagine a person who's not necessarily talking about the vineyard movement or a vineyard church. And they say that, um, you know, what does worship mean to them? Like for instance, let's say they're from a Catholic church. If you, if you know about Catholic churches, you may know this answer. So just say it if you think so, you know. The liturgy, okay, particularly what part of the service? The mass, the communion, yeah. That would be very, very important. If we didn't do that, we didn't worship that day. You know, when we do it once a month, some folks really trip over that. It's like, well, we didn't worship today. Okay, if they were Episcopal, it would probably be communion. Uh, what if they were an older person, maybe from a, a more Protestant hymns? Wow. All together? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you got that on? Yes, and they would possibly be thinking about a choir and maybe an organ, a solo, exactly, bells, all right? Now, some people just think of worship as something you do on Sunday. I go to worship. I go to the worship service, right? Going to church is something like worship. But worship is a lot more than this, a whole bunch more than that. Because if God says my purpose in life is to worship God, he doesn't want to limit it to the choir singing with the organ or to this hour and a half service. There's a lot more to it. If it's our primary objective, our highest priority, there's more to it than that. Now, what does a person look like when they're worshiping? Now, you ever thought of that? Now, if, if you go to the religious section of the newspaper, and occasionally um, I run into one at the doctor's office or something, and I look at the religious section, and often there'll be a picture of a pastor that looks like this. <laughs> like, okay, worship service, 9.30, 10.30. I like, okay. You know, and I don't know. I don't think you have to look like this to be worshiping. <laughs> okay, I think there's a lot more to worship, a lot of opportunities to do to that than different. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. And I think this is like the best verse that defines defines worship. So let's read it together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, because of God's great mercy to us, 
to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. Now, I want you to circle three words, because, offer, and dedicated. Now, first, worship is my response to God. Right? He loves me. I love him back. It's just a response. It's a reaction. And notice the word because. Because of God's great mercy. He loves us. And so I can't help myself but love him back. That's the kind of love that he he produces in me. Now you see in this case, God takes the initiative. You see that? Because. Therefore, he started it. He started the whole thing. He takes the initiative. He always makes the first move. He creates us. He saves us. He corrects us. He forgives us. He blesses us. He hides himself. And then he lets himself be found. He provides for us. All the time he's initiating and we respond to his initiation. Now let's look at the word offer. Now this word describes what we do with worship. Worship is giving back to God. He gives to us and we get to give back to him. And that's called worship and that brings him pleasure. Now, the question is, when it says offer, what am I supposed to offer? I mean, what do we give to God? We have a word in the Christian church that's called offering. Is that what that means? Just offering the money that we give above and beyond our tithe? What is that? Now, for those of you that have wealthy relatives, and it comes to their birthday, you probably start biting your nails or pulling your hair, whatever it is you do, shake your foot. When you think about, I need to get them a gift, okay? A wealthy person can get anything they want. Or they probably already have several of what they need. So what do you give to a God who's got everything? I mean, he made the world after all. And he's very specific. What are you going to give me? What possibly could we give him? And we can give him our love. We can give him his him our love and he's very specific about how to do that the words dedicated to his service we circle the word dedicated if something is dedicated for something it means it's not being used for anything else that is what its purpose is all right now in the jewish community when they celebrated passover um they would do certain things that was only done at that high, um, high celebration Passover. In our family, during Easter time, we celebrate Passover. We've been doing it for years. And we have um, you know, absorbed some of the traditions and the symbolic rituals of the Passover that the Jews celebrate, and it's become very meaningful to us. And this is one of the ones that they do. On that Passover meal, the Jewish mother will bring out a set of dishes that she doesn't use any other time of the year. These dishes are dedicated for this Passover. They're set apart. They're not to be used for anything else. And I have some uh, clear plates and glasses that I use only on Passover. And I bring them out. Because I want to, with myself, when I'm putting stuff down the table, to remember this is set apart for God. I'm dedicating this to God. This is for no other purpose but for God. So how do we do this? How do we do that kind of thing? Now, let's look at another verse in Mark 12. And this is the verse that you guys memorized. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Now, keep in mind, this was written in a Hebrew culture. So they did not intend for you to dissect it to only those three things. You can only worship God with your heart, only with your soul, and only with your mind. No, that's not what it meant. It was supposed to have a broader you know, brush of everything. Everything. That's what it meant. But for our purposes today, if I were to go on every single way you could possibly worship God, we would never leave. So I'm going to focus on the three that were in here, but these are not the only things that, ways that we can worship God. But it's a good place to start. First, God wants you to love him with your mind thoughtfully. He doesn't want you to check out your mind when you come into the door. He wants you to know him and love him with your mind thoughtfully. Now, this takes focus. To intentionally not get distracted takes focus. Now, I know in a lot of religions that 
opposite is what they're requiring of you or suggesting you do. They want you to kind of lose your mind in the universe, kind of empty it. But the truth is God wants us to worship with what he gave us. And one of the things he's given us is a mind. It takes energy. And he doesn't just want us to go through the motions and be a phony about it. He wants us to really think about what we're doing. Now, I want to give you a little illustration. Um, when we were a couple years into the church plant, I finally didn't have to be the worship leader. I say that finally because prior to coming here, I was worship leader of another church for seven years. Yeah. And I went through three babies, right? In that time, two babies. Yeah, two babies. Two babies. And Melissa's doing her thing, right? And I went through two babies in those years that I was worship leader. So when I got here, two years into it, somebody else was going to be worship leader. Okay. So I was able to actually relax and enjoy worship. Didn't have to worry about the chorus or the words or the band or the audience, anything. Everything was great. So I would be in worship, focusing on the Lord. And occasionally, Randy would say, they spelled the word wrong. The bass is too loud. The second grade teacher hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> I had to say, honey, please stop. Do you remember that, Randy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I need to focus on the Lord. I'm trying to give my full attention. Please stop. Okay. And he did really good about that. Now, do you ever zone out at church? Yeah. Sometimes I zone out here, behind the mic. You've seen me do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. But sometimes we really zone out at church. It takes energy and attention to focus on God. Now, I have heard some of my girlfriends tell me, my husbands don't love me. Or my husband, they have one. My husband doesn't love me. <laughs> I have several girlfriends that have husbands, okay? And so then when I go and talk to the husband, this is what I hear. I do, I go to work every day. What does she want? Of course I love her. Now, guys, I want you to listen to this because this is really important. We want your undivided attention. That's what we want. Okay, so you work it all the time does not satisfy. Okay, so you remember the first time that you guys fell in love with somebody? I mean, you just couldn't help but think about them. Okay, you thought about them during recess, the break. You always were thinking about them. Okay. Well, way back. I mean, some of you fell in love in third grade, right, Randy? Okay, third grade. He was thinking about it while he was think- drinking his milk. <laughs> okay, so maybe that was infatuation and it's going to wear off. I don't know. But God in the Bible tells us, I am eternally thinking about you nonstop, 24-7. Before you were even born, I was thinking about you. And I'm definitely thinking about the great time we're going to have after you're dead and you're with me nonstop in full glory. I mean, God's like that. He's, if I were going to say what an infatuated lover looks like, it's God. Honestly, the easiest thing for us to do is to get distracted and to lose our focus. And to constantly changing our focus, that's very American. A different relationship, a different electronic toy, a different church, a different look, a different job. We have to choose to focus on things because we are so easily distracted. And I think, here's the bad news, is because we're kind of self-centered people. And we live in a self-centered world. Romans 8, 7, 8. Now, this is from the message version, and I really like it. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. And God isn't pleased with being ignored. Romans 12.2 says this, Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. So we have to choose. We have to choose to think about something, and it would be helpful if we would think on God. Now, many of you have taken the Purpose Driven book home, 
How are you doing with it? Get along with it, okay? Mm-hmm. Have you been able to establish daily times with the Lord? Just a few minutes a day. I'm going to stop everything else and just be with God. Well, if you're a stay-at-home mom, good luck. If you're a dad that works and comes home and you're beaten, you suddenly want to unwind in front of the TV or something, the video game, for just a half hour, good luck. Have you found yourself being distracted a bit? Yeah. Let's look at Matthew 6, 6. This might help. Find a quiet, secluded place. For, a single, um, for moms, stay-at-home moms, when they're sleeping, in the bathroom works. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role-play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. Now, a key word in this verse is the word place. And you ought to circle that. You've got to find a place to do this. In the Old Testament, the people back then thought the place was the temple or the tabernacle when they had the tabernacle before they had the temple, okay? And so they had to go there to worship God. Now, we know a lot better now. We know that's never what God intended. He intends us to be able to worship him any place, anywhere, anytime for the rest of our lives, including right now. And he, but the deal is, Paul knows how we think because he's a human being. And he writes about this verse um, that we're going to look at because he knows that we get distracted. And he knows that it's really good to try to remove all the noises and all the confusion and all the distractions and get into a place. Actually, not Paul. It was Matthew that wrote Matthew 6. Excuse me. Hmm. So you might try when you're driving in your car. Maybe in your backyard or find a little corner on your living room. Now, let's also circle the word simply in verse 6-6 of Matthew. Just be with God simply. Not real complicated, no ceremony, no fancy words. Just there talking to him. And if you circle the word honestly, he's saying, I don't want you to be anybody else but yourself. Uh, You don't have to be super spiritual to come to me. It just doesn't work that way. Now, there's a second thing that we can do to focus in on God. And that is develop a constant conversation with God. If you guys read the book, he talks about Brother Lawrence. I'm not going to talk about him. That is an awesome book to read. But in Psalms 105, verse 4, it says there, Worship him continually. Just think about him all day long. You have to decide to do that. It's not going to just happen automatically. There was this one person that I read about that actually put his um, watch to beep every 30 minutes. And when it beeped, he thought, okay, I'm going to think about God. Or if there's somebody with me, maybe I should pray for them. Kind of different. You might want to try something like that. But whatever it is that might trigger for you thinking about God all day long, I think that's part of the worship experience that God would like us to have. To include him in everything. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Those thoughts are fixed on you. Now, when we focus on ourselves, this is the kind of thinking we get. Guilt, fear, worry, anxiety, insecurity, discouragement. Those are our self-thoughts. Self-talk, right? But when we put our thoughts upon God, what we start thinking is hope. Gratitude, love, confidence, security. That right in itself, you guys, is well worth trying to work this thing out. To have those kinds of thoughts in our head instead of those negative thoughts are really an awesome experience. So besides loving God with your mind, he wants you to love him with all your heart and all your soul. He wants you to love him passionately. He's an emotional being. He's made us emotional. He would like us to love him emotionally. Now, if you were raised in a family where you weren't mushy, you weren't loving, you didn't say necessarily I love you, did hugs, this may be a little awkward or hard for you, but it's time to grow up in our relationship with God. And God would like us to experience loving him, expressing affectionately to him. Now, do you remember the first time, going back to the first time you fell in love, but do you remember the first time that you said to somebody, I love you, besides your parents? 
It's like a peer. That kind of, I love you. Okay, not I love the dog. But, you know, up here, right? Okay? And, you know, you felt kind of nervous, sweaty hands. Maybe your tummy got tight. Okay? Because what is he or what is she, for some of you out there, going to say back? Right? Can anybody relate to that? Remember back then when you felt that? Okay. All right. I, rem- I remember that. Okay? I remember when Randy and I uh, broke up. And then we were really good friends. Yeah, you're my best friend, blah, blah, blah. And finally the night came when I knew, wow, I need to tell him I love you. And when I said that, he got down on his knees and proposed to me. That was pretty cool. I don't think it always works that way, but it did for me. (laughs) All right, getting back to what I was saying. Um, The deal is, it's risky to say I love you to somebody because you don't know what they're going to say back. But guess what? God has already broken the ice. He's already taken the risk. He's already said, I love you first. So we already know what his response is going to be when we go back to him with, I love you, God. Now, notice this verse. The Bible says, we love him because he first loved us. You know, in a lot of religions, the ideal is God is a tyrant. He's wicked, wrathful. Uh, he's demanding, you want to really avoid him at all possible costs, try to stay out of his way. But in this verse, we see that God's saying, no, that's not me. I'm a God of love, and I love you. And I've loved you first, and I want you to love me because that's the best thing you could possibly do for yourself. Because sometimes people tell me, God's kind of got an ego trip. I remember Donna in one of her teachings saying, doesn't God like an ego trip that he wants us to worship him and love him and order us around? It's like, God's like, no, I know the instruction manual. And you're happiest when you love me. You're most blessed when you follow my commands. And he knows that about us. And so that's why he's constantly encouraging us to do this thing because then things begin to change in our lives in such a wonderful way. Hosea chapter 6, it says, and this is God speaking, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. Well, I want your offerings, if I'm going to be honest. I'm kidding. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Love. No. This is what God wants from us. This is the purpose of our life, is to know and love God. And he's loved us first. So he makes it easy for us to love him back. So when you get up in the morning, before you get out of bed, sit on the edge of the bed or lay on your pillow and say, God, I want to love you today. I want to know you better today. I mean, just try it. And see what happens. Because at the end of the day, if you did that, if you loved God a little bit more, and you got to know him a little bit more, that was a successful day. Even though you didn't get anything done on your to-do list. I mean, just the other day I was telling Randy, I felt like this was a wasted day. We were on our date. I just felt, I felt like I got nothing done today. And so we're talking and sharing and whatever. And when I finally got into bed that night, I realized... This was a successful day. I spent all day long with people I love and with God. This was a great day. Okay, but if you have a 24 list item of things to do and you check them off and you accomplish great goals for work or whatever in your house and you didn't spend time with the Lord or get to know him a little bit better, you know what? That is a failure. That was a wasted day. Because we didn't commune with God that day. And, and so this is part of what's happening. Exodus 34. He is the God who is passionate about his relationship with you. Now just imagine for a moment that I walk up to Randy and I say to him, Honey, I've made dinner for you. And I've got some lingerie for three strategic reasons. Number one, I'm your wife. Number two is our anniversary. And number three, wives are supposed to give their husband their conjugal rights. So there. I mean, do you think Randy's going to be excited about that? No. (laughs) 
I'm turning red. He would know I was being sarcastic if I said that. I was kidding, okay? But, no, play with me. No, he would not. (laughs) Appease me here. It would be a turnoff. Because he does not want duty. He wants desire. And that's the way it is with God. He doesn't want you to, I got to go to church. I have to worship. I have to tithe. I have to share my faith with my neighbor. I have to read this book. No, he doesn't want rules and regulations and duty and rituals. He wants your heart. He wants you to desire him and long for him and yearn for him and just like, God, I can't wait to be alone with you. Well, if you've never done this before, and this is kind of new, and we're all in different places, so some of this may be like, oh, I've heard this a zillion times. Well, okay, cool. Then there's a rehearsal. But, you know, maybe you don't know how to show love to God. Start with thanks. God, thank you for the air I'm breathing. Thank you for this nice, comfortable seat. Thank you that I was born in America and I have some freedoms. Thank you for the weather. Thank you they have electricity, because a lot of people don't have electricity. Thank you I have one arm. Right, Jamie? I mean, uh, Dave sent me an awesome video about Nickowitz, Nick something or other. Yeah, and I'm keeping it because I'm going to use it on a sermon, and you guys are going to be just blown away. So don't send it to anybody else. These are my research people. They send me things, and then I'm like, oh, this is good. Okay. So thank you, God, I have one arm. Thank you, I can walk. And we can start there because a thankful heart really can get us to begin to fall in love because we realize, wow, you really have done a lot. And you might find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things you could thank God for. And the greatest way to express affection to God really is to give him your life by yielding yourself to him. When you go to a wedding and you see two people saying, I do, what are they I doing? They're saying, I give you my life. And I'm going to abandon everybody else. You are the one. I'm committing myself to you. Why? Because that is the essence of love. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And so you cannot tell me that you love God if you don't give yourself to him. Now, I can tell Randy that I love him and hug him, but if the rest of my life shows I'm running around with other guys and I'm being unfaithful to him, then I missed it. Words are not going to cut it with God. It doesn't cut it with marriage. Romans chapter 6, it says, Give yourself completely to God since you have been given new life. Remember, it is always a response to the love that God has given us. Now, what holds us back? F-E-A-R. You're all over 12. F-E-A-R, fear. That holds us back. What if I give myself completely to God? What if he asks me to be a nutcake? Well, what if he does? Do you know that you're going to be happier being a nutcake than you're going to be happy the way you're living I'd rather be a nutcake for God than do what I was headed to do before I met him because we're not fully ourselves till we fully have given ourselves over to God that's when I'm really going to see Terry when she's fully overjoyed giving herself to God and I see Peggy I'll really see her who she really was meant to be when she's fully given herself over to God It's going to be beautiful. Now, there's a gal named Liz Curtis Higgs. She was a disc uh, jockey, very, very famous, very well-known, lived an incredibly wild life outside of God. In fact, there's a guy named Howard Stern, who's still considered the king of media, who did the AM show and she did the PM show. And um, this guy was very sarcastic, very sexual in, in his uh, talking, very racial in um, his comments. And one time he said to Liz Curtis Higgs, you know, 
you need to clean up your act. Now, just think about that. Imagine Stern having to say that to somebody. That's saying something. Because Liz Curtis Higgs had been so burned and so hurt by men in her life that her heart had been broken, and she had become a militant feminist. But she had one girlfriend who was a Christian who kept inviting her to church, inviting her to church, and inviting her to church. And finally, just to make her shut up, she said, I'll go with you just once. So she goes to church, and the pastor is teaching from Ephesians. Of all verses, he is teaching, wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Now, if I was a girlfriend, I would have thought, why not John 3.16? Anything. But why that? Now, why the revelation? Like the end times, she's scared to death. Why this one? And so Liz is sitting there going, oh, great. You know, this is not good news for a militant feminist. She got very uncomfortable, very ticked, and pretty angry. But then she continued to listen, and she actually heard the second part of the verse that says, Husbands, you sacrifice yourselves and give yourself up to your wives. Now, Liz, when she heard that part, she cynically went to her girlfriend and said, Well, shoot, I'd give myself gladly to anybody who would lay down their life for me. (laughs) What a setup. It was like Thea, her friend, telling her, what must I do to be saved? You're like, that comes once in a lifetime. And she said, well, actually, there is somebody who loves you that much and has laid down their life for you. It's Jesus. Liz, not long after that, dropped her guard and gave her heart over to God and is a believer. And she is an amazing writer. She has written bad girls from the Bible. Really bad girls from the Bible and not so bad girls from the Bible. (laughs) And she tells us the not so bad girls from the Bible are us girls that go to church. That's us. We're bad, but we're not so bad. So anyway, very comical, very astute in her biblical teaching. What an awesome testimony. Now, some of you are thinking, I just don't love God enough. And I really don't think that's your problem. If that's what you're thinking, I think your problem is is you don't know how much God loves you. Because if you knew that, it would transform your life. How could I not love a God like that? You just don't know how much he loves you. Because if you did, worship would come easy for you. He is love, and he has first loved you. And when you understand that, it's easy to love him back. Now, the third thing that God says to us is he wants you to love him with all your strength, your abilities, your talents, any energy he's given you, give it to him. You see, the truth is that even though God created the entire world, there are some things he cannot get for himself. Isn't that bizarre? The one who has everything doesn't have everything until he has you. He doesn't get your attention unless you give it to him. And that we can do with our mind. He doesn't have our affection unless we give it to him. And that we can do by loving him with our heart and our soul. And he doesn't have our life unless we give him our abilities and love him with our strength. Now, I've been married long enough to know that it takes more than just kissing and hugging to say, Randy, I love you. I need to be faithful to him. Sometimes I have to iron the clothes. Sometimes I have to mend them. Sometimes I have to run errands. And sometimes responsibilities are shared. And those are very practical ways that I can show I love him. And there are very practical things that we can do to show that we love God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. Underline, highlight, circle, star, whatever you do. Because you do not need to go to the monastery in order to love God more. You don't have to become a pastor in order to love God more. If my number one purpose is to get to know and love God, then I should have a quiet time with God five hours a day. 
No, not necessarily. Well, when I should go to church every day of the week. No, not necessarily. You just need to change who you are working for. That's it. Change who you're working for, and then you're going to be worshiping who you're working for all the time. You're not working for Bernina. You're not working for H-E-B. You're working for God. And when you get that, you guys, this will totally transform your lives. You're going to be able to go back to Hobby Lobby or wherever it is that you work and say, I'm working for God. USAA, you think you're giving me the paycheck? Sort of. It's God. That's who I'm working. Whatever you're doing, whatever your career, that's what I'm doing. Those of you who have two jobs, you're working for God double time. God says, I want you to invite me to every area of your life. I want to be involved in everything you do. If you go to the gym, I'm with you. If you go to the restaurant, I'm with you. I'm even with you when you're sinning, but you're not really doing that for my glory. If you're a carpet cleaner, doctor, nurse, raising kids, salesperson, teacher, or student, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that who are you doing that for? A lot of people get hung up on this and they say, well, I don't know how that works. It does work, you guys. Believe me. Try it this week. Go to work and just say, you know what? This is for Jesus. You can clean the cat litter box for the glory of God. You can feed the dog, even though your sister forgot to, for the glory of God. You can take out the trash and clean the toilet for the glory of God. You can wipe one more butt for the glory of God. If you can repair things, God, why are you that way to repair things? Then I'm going to work for my, my God this week. If you cook for your family, for a restaurant or a soup kitchen, it doesn't matter just so long as you're doing it for God. Church is not to be limited to church. Um, excuse me, worship is not to be limited to church. He wants your whole life. He doesn't even want your half-hour devotional time for you to think, I did my duty, now move on. Now I'm going to do work. I had my time with God, and now I'm going to do my work. Take your everyday, ordinary life. This is from the, um, the message, Romans 12. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. There we go, the word offering. It's the essence of worship. Now, to really live a purpose-driven life does not happen here in an hour and a half. It happens wherever you are. Wherever you are, yeah, it can happen here, but it happens 15 minutes on the road from here. It's going to happen on Monday when the alarm rings at 6 o'clock and you have to be responsible and get ready and go to work. You can worship God right then. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So tomorrow go to work working for a different boss. He will turn the mundane, trivial things of your life to be worship. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that liberating? We can really live a purposeful life, a worshipful life, when we understand this concept. It's in our DNA to worship something. You go to any culture, you do any studies of uh, anthropology or cultures, sociology, people worship all kinds of things. Wood, rocks, cows. And all of us are wired to worship because God wanted us to bump into him and then know what to do. And if we think we don't worship something, then we probably are worshiping ourselves. Now, um, I think probably the greatest temptation of our life is the temptation that we would be idol worships, worshiping idols. And y'all may think, well, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Because I do. And you think I'm a kind of spiritual person. Every single time I choose to be comfortable instead of doing what God's asked me to do, I'm worshiping comfort. Every single time I'm more concerned about my reputation than saying what I need to say because God's asking me to say it, I'm worshiping myself. 
on worshiping pride. So figure out where those little idols have been erected. And get real with God next time you have devotions with him and say, God, I'm sorry. I have had idols in my life. I've idolized my career. I've idolized this relationship or the hope of a relationship. I've idolized all kinds of things. I've put my energy, my attention, my affections in other places than you. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's get to that place. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for laughter. It makes the medicine go down a little bit easier when we've had a chance to laugh. But, Lord, we're really pegged. Lord, we have bowed down to idols. And we have put our affections and our attention and our abilities in other places than you. But we've gone to work providing for our family and have forgotten that we were working for you. And that's offensive to you, Lord, because we've made something else more important. So, Lord, I pray you would break the mentality over our church that you're not in full-time ministry unless you're getting paid on staff at a church or on the mission field. That you would break that mentality, Lord, that we're not really worshiping God unless we have had our devotional time or worship time on Sunday. Lord, those things are great. You know we're not putting that down. But, Lord, it is so secular. We have so compartmentalized, Lord, our relationship with you. We're sorry. Lord, I want to work for you. I want you to be the boss at Taco Bell and Burger King and digging ditches and at the office. So, Lord, I just pray right now that you would forgive us for living a lot of days working for somebody else and that you would break that mindset over us now once and for all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, break that mentality, Father, that secular mindset of putting you in your little box where you belong and not letting you in in everything that we do and everything we're about. Just break that over you now, over the men, Lord, who work a lot outside of the home. Father, we break that mentality over them now in Jesus' name. That they would experience a transformation of the heart and of the mind and realize my King Jesus is my boss today. And Father, for the moms, our stay-at-home moms, and they're working with little kids, and sometimes they think they're going to go nuts because they want to be able to say something else than no. And, Father, I pray that you would let them experience I do everything I do today for the glory of God. I'm going to worship you, Lord, all day long. I'm a mommy because I work for you and it's what you call me to do. Now, um, just think that y'all ought to just stand up and just put your foot down. Not literally, but, you know, put your foot down here and just say, okay, this is the day it's going to change. Today I'm going to work for God. I'm not going to work for my boss anymore. I'm working for God. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to wake up for the alarm clock for God. I'm going to go to bed early so I can wake up to the alarm clock for God. And if you're in that place where you just want to put your foot down and say, okay, this is the day where it's just about him, then I want you to stand. Wow. 
You're totally blessing God right now. He's so pleased. He's wired you to worship him. And he wants you to know that the desires of your heart, the things that you want to do, he put those there. And he wants you to do those things. Those of you that are going to have to make choices about school or career or whatever choices you have to make. When you're in this place of dedication to God, he wants to know whatever you want to do will please me. Because you're going to do it for me. And that blesses me. So, Father, I just pray now for the spirit to come upon us, Lord, as a congregation. And, Father, that you would convert that mindset, that mindset, that cultural mindset, Lord, that has squeezed you out and compartmentalized you, Lord, and that we become secular people, that you would change that now in Jesus' name. Just fill them with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just come on them. And let it be a new thing. Let them go to class feeling different tomorrow. And Holy Spirit, just tap them on the shoulder and let them know, I'm here. I'm here with you. I love what you're doing. I'm with you. Uh, I'd like the worship team to come up and do the heart of worship. And um, yeah, coming up, you have another one? Okay, yeah, she's got a better one. Go for it. And uh, we're just going to um, sing this song and um, talk with God, experience him, be with him. And um, towards the end of the song, if you need prayer about anything else besides what the agenda of God's heart was this morning, then come forward. And we'll have folks come and pray for you and be with you. And then um, so the service will be over after that. So just hang in here for the worship time.